Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have a man who has done your dream golf trip several times and even wrote books about it. I'm speaking about author, podcaster, and golf writer, Mr. Tom Coyne. We discuss his new book, Course Called America, and the joy that traveling his own country brought him. We talk about finding the great American golf course and even the great American destinations off the course. We also discuss when he realized he was a storyteller and how he used that to become one of the most well-renowned golf writers. And in my opinion, he's an author that every golfer should read. So let's get into it with Tom Coyne. Welcome to the 4Jack Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the 4Jack Podcast brought to you by our friends at Jackson Labs, the brand consultants that we trust to get our brand going in the right direction. And the brand consultants you should use to do the same. Go check them out at jacksonlabs.com. That's J-A-X-O-N. And this podcast is also brought to you by our friends at TaylorMade Golf, the new lineup of Sim 2, Fairway Woods, Drivers, Hybrid Rescues, and Irons. Make everybody a better player, especially Tom, with the man that made an ace the other day with his brand new irons. So, Tom, how are you, my man? Doing good, bud. Just still riding the high of my first hole-in-one in over 20 years of golf, and couldn't be happier to share with my two best buddies that I play golf with a lot out here in Vancouver and do this podcast with. But that's not what we're here for today. It's not. We've got a huge guest of honor, and I know the only thing I'm not allowed to ask today is, what is your favorite golf course? <laughs> uh, well, there's a few things that uh, we will cover and we will try to avoid tonight. But uh, tonight we have a very special guest on, a man whose books I've been going deep into for a while, um, maybe one of the best golf storytellers out there author, hardcore golfer, and a man that's done some pretty crazy stuff and written about it along the way. Mr. Tom Coyne, how are you, sir? Chris, thanks so much for thanks for having me. You, uh, I love your intro music, and I didn't know about this hole-in-one. Uh, Tom, congratulations, man. That is, that is a big deal. We should forget me. <laughs> I'm just this, this, story, this scribbler down in down in philadelphia here i want to hear about this hole in one action i mean that's 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 exciting stuff thanks tom i appreciate that uh yeah i don't even it almost didn't actually happen to be quite honest with you we were jammed up in the slowest round of golf i've played in a long time and it was at riverway golf course out here in vancouver and 10th hole we got through it and we're standing there waiting and I didn't even see the par three that we were actually about to play it. I could just see this tee box and then the next par four. And I saw about five groups standing there and I was telling the boys, I'm like, guys, I think I'm about to pack it in, go get my A and W root beer that's in my car and like call it a night. And then they're like, no, 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 there's a par three right here. So stand up on the tee box. I don't know what it was like before looking down at the ball. I'm like, okay, like I think I'm going to make a good move at this right now. Hit it like a five yard (laughs) cut. 169 yard hole let's call it the pin was tucked in the front right it was tracking didn't actually see it go in i actually i believed it was going to go in the creek that was in front of it the whole time i'm like yeah i don't know it's probably in the junk start walking up i see the guys on the tee box for the next hole that's like right beside the green kind of like looking at the green looking at us looking at the green and i'm like oh like parksy hit a good shot in there maybe there's two really tight balls to the hole and they're just thinking hey these guys must actually be players behind us we walk up the guys are like i think one went in 
but I'm not sure. <laughs> and so then at this point, I'm, I'm not even buying into it because I've had too many like, oh, that could be good. And then you find it plugged in a bunker and it's just, right. yeah, I'm not going to get my hopes up. And so we start walking on the green. I even bring my putter with me and Parks, he's like, no, man, it's going to be in. Like, it's got to be in. It has to be in. And he walks up. He's like, nope, Srick's on, in. And to be honest, I, I didn't celebrate the way one might think. I did for him. He was freaking out. Like, we was trying to record a video, and he, like, couldn't turn the camera around. He's like, how do I turn this around? Like, what are we doing? Uh-huh. And, yeah, like, immediately I switched gears into, like, okay, I just got a hole in one. Like, that that's crazy. Like, I'm going to put a one on the scorecard, right? Like, I've never done that in my life, which is crazy enough. But then it's like, okay, I got to finish around here because I don't want to get a hole in one and then, like, fire off a 90. So it's like okay, like let's let's play golf at validate this point. It. Let's validate this. Yeah, um, we ended up playing almost in the pitch black for the last three, four holes. Bogeyed three of the last four for a seventy-seven, which I'm like, I'm proud of that, right? Seventy-seven with a hole in one, first time at a golf course, was playing like a beast, um, and just sharing it with my buds, right? Like, there's one of our really good buds that I just wish was there for this moment because like. It would have just made it that much more iconic, but like the four Jack boys together for the first ace. And like, I'm only hoping that this continues and we get to celebrate C Pazes because I think I'll be much more jacked up for his than mine because it's just, I don't know. We'll be used to it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And I love the, uh, yeah, it's funny. Golf is funny like that, right? It's got like a sense of karma. I mean, if you're out there, I, I find for like every round where you just, when you have those rounds where you want to quit, right. Where you're like, Oh, the weather or, or the pace of play, or you're just playing so bad. Like those are always the rounds where you hit like one shot or flush. I, in my experience where you just flush one, where you're like, man, that was really, I didn't think I could do that. You know, um, golf, like it, it, it'll give you, give you something. So that's cool that you hung in there and, um, but yeah, then you got to play the 18 or it doesn't count, right? You got to finish the, at least that's how we play it. You, you've got to play 18 holes for it to be a official, uh, hole in one. So yeah, you had to stick it out and we did it. So we at least luckily aren't having that debate about whether or not my <laughs> yeah, right, hole in one right, actually right. counts today. So I'm, I'm super grateful that we were able to squeeze <laughs> in 18 in the dark. There was a group in front of us and we're like, dude, we are playing with you down this hole. Like that you're not like we <laughs> smashed our drivers and we're like, Hey, we're joining. Like there's no yeah, chance. Good for you. Otherwise exactly. I'm going to lose my ball and then I'm going to have to walk back and re tee it on 18. And then like at this point, <laughs> it's a disaster. Exactly. Love it. But we gotta, we gotta touch on what, uh, what's going on in, uh, Mr. Coin's life right now. Yeah, busy, sure. Busy time, well, man. I'm here, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, new book out, Course called America, a New York Times yeah. bestseller. You know, yeah, I've, been, I've been listening yeah. to you and Randy go on this, uh, you know, uh, discussion down the trap draw, and like for me, it was perfect because when you first started doing those with him, like I had, I was kind of halfway through the book, and I was like, I pretty much pounded out half the book on the first day, and I was like, oh, okay, this is great. Like I can go deeper into this, and I just want to talk uh-huh. on like. That whole experience, like I guess, it was a massive undertaking for yourself, but and for your family. Like, kind of just talk about what this book means to you so far, and the the whole yeah whole adventure. Thank you. Yeah, it was a big undertaking, right? I mean, you know, it grew out of you know doing similar projects in Ireland and Scotland, and 
well, similar projects in the sense, you know, travel adventures is, I guess, the very broad similarity. Um, this is a completely different kind of story with a totally different sort of ambition to it. But yeah, it's me. At the end of the day, it's me going around and playing a ton of golf. Um, you know, hopefully there, there's there's more to it. But yeah, this one was the most ambitious of the three. It took the longest. It uh, it was the most travel. It was, you know, the most miles covered, um, the most holes played. It was the biggest, you know. And so I feel like, it, you know, it was kind of the end of the trilogy. So I, I, I sort of tried to end it with a with a big bang. So, um, it, it, it means a ton because it's, it, you know, I put a, a hell of a lot into it and not just me, like you mentioned, my family's willingness to sort of let me wander around America for eight months. You know, I've got two little kids here at home, so not easy to mm -hmm. do for, for my wife, um, Allison. So her support, um, you know, you wanted, it's like, you know, there's all these different phases to doing this and, and different moments and projects. And there's literally like different chapters to it it's where you come up with the idea, then you, you, you sell it and it's going to be published and that's incredibly exciting. And then you have, to, you have to do all the planning, then you have to go out and do it and then you have to write it. And it's, it's sort of like when you get to that point, the actual, the writing of it, where you're, you know, then the pressure is like really on. Because it's like, wow, all these, you know, I'm invested in this. My family's invested in this personally, emotionally, financially, mm -hmm. and um, I better not screw it up. So <laughs> there's, so there's that. And um, so when it, for it to come out and to hit the, the nonfiction list in the first week, which I'd never um, made before, I'd, I'd made the sports lists in the New York times, but those are the monthly lists and it's sort of a different thing um to make the weekly list again you know where you have you know oprah winfrey and all you know like yeah, Barack Obama, you know the heavy hitters where the golf books a place where golf books don't go my friends <laughs> um and it, it was you know it was funny because my, my editor when he was just explaining to me that the sports list the monthly list didn't exist anymore it was like he's like well you know maybe we'll make the Maybe we'll make the nonfiction list. <laughs> and then it was like a quiet, it was like, no, we're not making the nonfiction <laughs> list. But, you know, golf books just don't, sports books just don't go there. Like, you know, I mean, once in a while, but, but it would be very, very rare. So um, for it to go there was, it, it is that feeling of like, you know, um, it was actually emotional uh, when, when that happened. Because I'm not one that like is into like lists and rankings and like, let me like see, you know, how many copies exactly were sold today. I mean, you can't help but wonder about that stuff, but I'm not like too crazy about like manic about it. But I was psyched because there was some validation in that where you're like, all right, like we put a lot into this and um, I didn't totally screw it up. Mm -hmm. And, and that's at the end of the day, like, that's kind of what I'm after. Like, I, I'm not never going to be perfect. I'm not never going to write the greatest book in the world. But if I just don't totally screw it up, sometimes I feel like, okay, yeah, way to go. I'd say you did a good job <laughs> of not screwing it up. Trust me. I gotta, yeah, I'll I gotta, take it. I'll take it. If I can just get in here and kind of just paint the picture of it, because it's like, yeah, you're not, you can't be focused on the list in order to get on the list almost, right? It's like, you got to immerse yourself in the yeah. process and that's the result. It's kind of like making money. It's like, if you're always focused on the money, 
like you're probably not going to do the work required to actually get it. So it's kind of like, that's the result. But what's also interesting is kind of the, like, that's well said the landscape of where we're at with golf right now. And I think the timing of a book like this, like I'm American and I appreciate American history, even the good and the bad, but it's like golf is at an all time high right now. Like it's booming. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what better time to have a book called the course called America, where you really dive into the culture and the different diversity within America through the game of golf that all these new people into the game can kind of dive into and sink their teeth and be like, okay, this is America through the lens of golf. Right. Like, I think it's just the perfect storm from my opinion. It, you know, it's been a good storm, man, you know, and it's been, it's, you know, we're into the third week and, it's funny how you describe that. Like golf is actually that way too, right? If you go out and say, if you go out with a number, this is at least how I play. If I go out with a number in my head and say, all right, I've got it. I, 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 today, you know, 74 is, is what I'm after that. If I'm trying to qualify for something or whatever, um, I will find a way to not shoot that score. You know, if I'm just playing for a number, but, but if you're playing and you're actually like, okay, I'm going to try and make the best swing that I can here. I'm going to try to hit the best shot that I can. You know, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and hit a really solid putt here. I, I can't control if it goes in or not, but I'm going to try and hit a really solid putt. Um, you know, that's that like, you know, any sports psychologist will tell you that's how you're supposed to play golf. You know, that it's supposed to be about the process, you know, that we can control so much, but we can't always, we can't control the outcomes. Right. Um, we got to accept the outcome. So yeah. So like writing is that way too, for sure. I mean, there's no way I could sit here and say I'm making choices in the narrative or in the book to try and get on a bestseller list. There's just no, no way to do that. Uh, that's just a whole other thing. And, um, that's a, like more to do with like marketing and other stuff than, you know, you sit down and you try and tell an honest story. You kind of like, I've always approached it as like, I would like, I try to write the book that I'd like to read. Um, and if I can do that, I'll have at least, I'll have one reader. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've, um, but no, we've, we found a couple more. So it's, it's been wild. It's, it's, you know, the book sold out on Amazon. It's, it's actually, the, this book is actually hard to find, which is like blowing my mind. Um, cause they printed a lot of them. So it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's been really cool. Yeah. I, I the way you said that, like that you would like to read it, I find because as you, you know, you're a golfer and I think there's like universal yeah. language within golf that like everybody can understand. And I, I said this to Tom after I went through a course called Scotland and I was like, I feel like I've been sitting here listening to a story that I've heard a million times by other people, like other golfers. Like this sounds very familiar, very like mm-hmm. relatable, even though I've never been to these places. Like I understand like the emotions that you were going through in certain situations. I'm like gosh, like that's some that's, I find that very difficult out of a lot of authors where it's like, I don't relate to how you're writing, but with yeah. golf, because of that universal language, it almost seems, yeah, like I was there for that. Like I totally get what he was doing there. And yeah, I understand <laughs> the pain of God playing in the rain again every day. And then like, and then you move over <laughs> to the America one and you're like, you get to these places where you kind of dreamt of going to for so long. And there's that that buzz in your body and you're like, Oh, I know exactly what that feels like. And I yeah. just feel like you do a very good job at relaying that story to the readers. Thank you. Yeah. I think, um, 
you know, I, I think the books and I guess, and stylistically, I guess there's probably something conversational um, in, in some of the, in some of the passages. And, you know, if I, if I think about it, you know, where I really learned the best storytellers I ever spent any time around. And I'd like to think that this is where I learned to tell stories or it's where I heard the stories that I wanted to tell. And I wanted to tell stories like them was waiting for a loop was, was in the caddy yard. Mm-hmm. Um, those were still, and I don't care what, you know, like what, what schooling I went to or any of that, the best storytellers, the people who made me cry and laugh and not, you know, cry and out of usually out of, out of in hysterics. Um, not for, not for, we didn't tell a lot of tragedies, but, um, their, their sense of, of, of timing and honesty and just enough exaggeration. Like that's how I like to listen to stories and maybe that rubbed off on me and that, and so that sort of golfy, that golf voice, if it sounds like somebody that's telling you a story in a grill room or like after a round of golf or something while you're hanging out, um, it's probably not an accident because that's, you know, I, I've done a ton of it, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. I think the, uh, the, the irony, the irony of it though, is like, I wouldn't consider myself a great storyteller in the grill room. Like if I much, but I would much rather, uh, have the chance to type out a story and edit it and then yeah. like send it to you, you know, <laughs> a bit. rather than, yeah. Right. Exactly. Like sometimes, when it's uh, like, if you do some of this golf, like for charity auctions or whatever, like sometimes people will pay money to play golf with me, which I think is insane. Um, but if it, whatever, if it raises money for something that that's cool. Um, and I always feel badly. Like, I'm like, you know, like when I'm just me, I'm not really that, I don't tell like snappy stories. I'm not that entertaining. Um, but then when did you realize that, that you were that kind of storyteller away from the like the vocal side of it? Because I mean, obviously right. you're a writer, you're, you went to school for it, but to kind of just realize like, oh, I'm a storyteller, like this is what I'm good at doing. Yeah. Because um, I mean, there's got to be a uh, click moment. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I think that there was, um, even when I was young, like I I remember in, in first grade, I wrote a, a Christmas story that um, using, we had this Christmas dictionary in our classroom. So I filled the story with full, all these words that I shouldn't have been using or shouldn't have known, like in first grade, like what first grader knows how to spell like Yule log and mistletoe. And, you know, so I was writing, <laughs> I wrote this story with all these big words. And my teacher was like, oh my God. And she made me like go to the fourth grade and read the story allowed to the class to basically you know to show off her first grade pupil yeah and i remember from that like this something that i got out of that was they all clapped and i liked it and um i liked the approval that came with um being good with words and um and it was always my strongest subject and i and I, i always wrote a lot through high school tons in college and um and and i and i was getting good feedback and i was getting approval and that is a very um 
who doesn't like that? It's very, it's, it's the best, it's the best drug going. Um, so, you know, so there were plenty of those moments along the way, but they add up, you know, it's cumulative. It's sort of like, oh, okay. In first grade, this happened. And then in high school, uh, I won this thing. And then in college, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the point. And then those moments of approval start to matter even more where it's like, oh, holy crap, I got an agent. And then, oh my God, he got a book deal for me. And, and you know, um, and it, and then suddenly you, you, you look back and you're like, I actually do this for a living. That's insane. You know, it's compounded wow. interest, right? The ninth or eighth wonder yeah. of the world. Like that's, that's what it is. It's like all these moments in life adding up and like, yeah. keep levered. Like it's like all of these experiences. And then the next thing isn't that big of a leap, but like from where you look back in life, you're like, holy crap, like what has happened? It's exactly what happens. From exactly. Right. right? You because look. you don't think like, is your, your, your kid or your high school and your college and you're like, you can't, I'll, ne- I'll never be a writer with a capital W, you know, that, that'll never be my, what I do. Um, and then, you know, 20 years later, you look back and you're like, oh my God, I do this. That's pretty, that's insane. Um, but you, like you said, it's so incremental. You almost don't appreciate it as it's happening. So it is nice. So it's like when you have those moments, when you have like that New York Times moment, then I, I really stopped and reflected and, and actually got emotional about it. I'm like, wow, man, this, this I was really, uh, this was my dream and it's actually, and it actually happened. I needed to remember that this was my dream. So uh, it was good that that I had a chance to reflect and do that. Well, congratulations on that, by the way, that's a huge milestone for, for yourself and yeah. for everyone that got involved with that, including your family that had to, you know, let you go away for eight months and play golf, but it was them. And it was also, you know, it's this big community that grew up around it, man. You know, it was like, yeah, it was Twitter. It was Instagram. It was like 20 people showing up on a random day to come play golf with me in Los Angeles or in Montana or wherever that, um, that gave me their stories and, 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 and gave me stuff to write about, you know, it would have been a pretty, pretty short book if it was just about Tom coin, you know? Right. Um, and that's one of the things really, I love really about short. it is that like anyone, like anyone that you potentially met along your travels could have ended up in this book, right? Like that was one of the coolest things to me. It's like, yeah, I'm in Montana, like yeah. big sky or something. And like these guys drove all the way out here to come play golf with me. And like, you tell a little bit of like their story too. And it's like, wow, yeah. like that is the community's essence, right? Like that's why we do this is cause there's all these cool stories out here and it's cool to have the technology to like pull the guy who from Alberta, where we come from, who wrote the book on like golf club management education is like, we have that thing on our podcast and it lives there forever. Right? Like that's the beauty mm-hmm. of it all. It is. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And that's, that aspect is, um, and if it, it feels right, like I had to, it, it took me a while to kind of get to that point where I'd said, like, I kind of trust the universe to, um, put the right people in my path. And, and, and it's not, it's not like happening by magic. It's happening because everyone's interesting, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly. and everyone actually does have a story. If you, if you just if you give them enough sometimes you got it off the bat and and sometimes it just takes a little more time um but that's that's the you know as i would tell my my students that i when i teach writing that's our job right to find those stories to be curious because everyone's everyone's got a good one Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, speaking of being curious, when you kind of have the the mission of the book being, is there like the great American golf course? Like, can you find that? And even just kind of hearing that line, I went, oh, God, like, what is that? Like, you know, put it in Canadian terms, like, what is the great Canadian golf course? Like, what did, what needs mm-hmm. to be involved? And in, it doesn't matter where you are. What is the great golf course? What's the great national identity? Yours would have, you got to have a moose. Uh, we could. I, I'd rather not. To be honest, they scare the hell no. out of me. Yeah, they'll chase you. Yeah, <laughs> had it happen. It's Just, not fun. I, fun really? Is, yeah, it kind of ran at you a little bit. Like they're you're you're next to one of their little ones. Like it'll it'll give you a run. But uh, they're huge. They're, they're like dinosaurs. Yeah. I grew up on an acreage, and there was one year where yeah, like a mama gave birth to the moose in our yard, and there's like a fence around it, and we had this little moose that couldn't jump over the fence for like a week living in our yard and i was like i'm gonna make this my pet at some point here like little, yeah, little bucky right so it's like six months old and it's two feet yeah, taller Till mama as soon as you step outside and she comes from the other side of the fence and looks at you and is like i and i actually got one of the greatest pictures ever of this like a tiny little moose just chilling and then it's mom like staring at me over the fence and i'm like oh okay. my god yeah don't get close but to go back, All right, to, no, mean, no moose, no mooses, the moose, the, the moose or meese, whatever they are, they scare the hell out of me. But they're they're, they're an identity right. piece. You got to have them. creatures. Yeah, they're majestic. But to go back they to are. that, like I mean, when you're kind of going around, you know, writing this book and taking notes and playing everywhere, I mean, what were some of those things that kind of stuck out in your head as like being, you know, the the essential pieces for a great American golf course? Like I I don't know if you could ever actually define it properly, but I know you did get right. to a point in the end, but at the same time, like, I don't know if you could ever have one. It's, it's gotta be like almost regional, but like, what were some of those things that really stood out for you along the way? That was the big question, right? Like, you know, to say, I'm going to find the great American golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've got to figure out what's a great golf course. And that's sort of a cool golf question. And then American, what's a, what's an American golf course is, is much more personally interesting question, especially in 2019, um, trying to figure out what does American, you know, mean, um, to, I know what it, maybe it means to my dad. It means probably something different to me. Maybe it means something different to someone in Texas or California or in Alaska. I don't know. And that was one, you know, the big reason to go out and play all 50 States was, was to try and meet people in all 50 States and, and get a portrait of what America is. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so that definition of, of like what an American golf course would be, I mean, that sort of shifts and changes throughout the book. Um, and I throw out some ideas and, and do identify some like identifying characteristics that would make a golf course to me feel like quintessentially American. And some of it had to, had to, it, you know, to it needed to sort of be homemade. It needed to be a little revolutionary right? They needed to, in some way, sort of crack a mold. Um, it had to be imperfect, uh, because I think that's something, um, I'm, I'm talking about America's imperfections as a, um, as being essential to what makes it can make it successful. It, it, it's, 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 it's still striving towards something, right? Like it's, it's moving towards an ideal. It's, it's, essentially, I guess what I'm talking about is hope, right? Yeah. Like it can't be, it's an unfinished product. And so that was like American. 
I felt like um, that, like we are moving towards something and we can always do better. And that, that sense of like constant improvement, I think would, would, would separate my, what I associate with being American from like necessarily what I would look, think of like when I play golf in European countries or whatever, where you'd say like, man, they've been around for a really long time. And that this, they kind of do it this way and they'll probably do it this way for another 2000 years. And that's actually pretty awesome. Um, and is, and gives you a different feeling and vibe when you're there versus the sort of American mindset of like every day you can wake up and reinvent yourself totally. and, and be bigger and better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it, it needed, it couldn't be perfect. It had to be able to, but it had to have good bones it had to have really uh, be a really good idea. Um, and it had to have a ton of potential and it had to be a little bit of a rebel, um, I really like, yeah. I, I love the part where it was, uh, like Ben from no laying up was, is it Bruff's Creek or what? Well, I can't Bruff's Creek national. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I love the idea of that where it's like, this is like the definition of kind of like the American dream, like make it yourself and make it happen. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like give me a shovel. I'll figure it out. I don't need a lot of money. We'll just make something out of this. And like the, when you described that, I was like, oh, man, like that is like, that's the heart and soul of golf and I guess in the, in America where it's like, yeah, we're going to figure this out and we're going to make it better. And we're just going to make something out of nothing. That was it. I mean, that was why that course stood out to me so much and really became, you know, not to give away too much to your listeners, but mm. it would, would sort of, let's say it would, it would rank very highly on that scale for the great American golf course, because Bruff Creek national, otherwise known as some guy's backyard <laughs> is a man-made backyard, seven hole golf course that was just like people sitting around and saying like, you know what, like, wouldn't it be cool if we had this, wouldn't it be better if we had this? And so that impulse to get up off your ass and do something is a wonderful thing. And, um, and not to say that it's not a a Canadian ideal or a Mexican ideal or just an American ideal, whatever. I mean, people are getting off their butts all over the place. But it was just this sort of like this go get it kind of if you want it, go get it yes. uh, kind of kind of drive in that in what Ben accomplished there that I felt like, man, this is the best of what we preach, at least when we preach what America is. This is the best of it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm like, I'm just sitting here thinking about, yeah, like the idea of perfection, the idea of working towards something. I think what makes America great is the relativity of that statement, right? It's like, what is, Mm -hmm. what is your pursuit of perfection? Your version of the American dream is very different from my version of the American dream. And it's like that pursuit is like, yeah, it's just so relative. And I think America, even in my own travels of it, going from like New York, seeing that like lush greenery built on that rock versus like, the desert caliche of Arizona, right. Versus like the mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest or like the Montana's or Colorado. It's like, or Florida over there in the swamp. It's just, there's this relativity there that like, as long as you're kind of willing to accept that idea that like, there's something I can do potentially to improve upon this, right? Like we haven't reached the pinnacle of this, but like the pursuit of it is what is the most important part. And it's like, it's different depending on who you are, what values you have. And it's like, it's a place where that's was supposed to be the idea where anyone can come and do that. Right. Like whether or not where you're exactly. from, I know right now we're kind of like in a weird place with that all, but it's like, that is 
the core value of America. It was like, we're tired of them saying like the church of England is the one and only it's like, no, I believe this. Like we need a land to go pursue our own dreams and like do these things. And that's, yeah, it'd be so hard to pin the course of America down on one, but like a seven hole golf course that a guy built in his backyard is like pretty damn close because it's like, it's not even an 18 hole golf course, right? It's not even a nine hole golf course. It's like, these are just holes we like to go play and like seven just seems to be the number. Exactly. And there's just, and it's like, and the place is this just total freedom, you know, like it's freedom when you go there and play, you want to play it backwards. You want to play a crisscross. You want to do this. So it, it's just full of like Liberty. It's full of like, you can't tell me what to do, which is a cool American idea. But I, yeah, I love how you, you know, express that, that, you know, this, this, it's a country that is built by chasers, right? People who are pursuing something and, and or leaving something and, and pursuing something better. Right. So, um, this idea of, um, not, not settling, uh, oh. is, is, um, can in, in some senses drive you crazy and make you a very unhappy person, but we've got therapy for that. Um, and, or alcohol, whatever you're into. Um, and, but there's also a side of it, like not being able to settle, um, leads to these advancements and this, and this, and this pushing forward of like what America can be. So, and it's going to make rough Creek national, a better golf course every year. I know, I know that, 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 you know, Ben is going to make it better every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's never going to be Augusta national, but you know, who wants it to be? Exactly. Um, I wanted kind of, I'm not, like we said earlier, we're not going to ask, Oh, what's your favorite golf course? That's the last thing I want to do. But I think the idea of what I reading your books and kind of going over and I'm like thinking like, geez, this is kind of like not to pump your tires anymore. I feel like this is like Anthony Bourdain of golf. Like you're just traveling around playing golf, but eating and experiencing life in these areas. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned it at the beginning and with Randy on the trap draw saying that like when you were first sitting with them in Ireland and you, you listened to them talk about the country and you went, God, I, I don't actually know all of these places that you're referring to, like mm-hmm. in your time, you know, researching and playing the playing golf and then obviously writing the book, like what were some places within the country, not take yourself away from the golf course that really just like blew your mind that you were, that was totally unexpected for you. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, just taking golf out of the equation, you know, I was, wonderfully surprised i was blown away by oregon um like oregon is so well one it's just so huge and you look at it on the map you're like yeah it looks big but uh then you drive across it and you're like man this thing never ends it's like its own planet and it almost feels like its own planet because it has everything you've got deserts and then you've got forests and then you've got mountains and then you've got ocean and it just oregon was so interesting and it was like every it had every american sort of setting in one state um i knew nothing about oregon except for bandon dunes and that you know brandon dunes is cool and hard to get to um but when i really traveled it went out to silvis valley ranch and you know um and then even you know and then eastern washington is much the much the same um 
just how vast and, and wonderful and, and beautiful, um, you know, people, you know, you see pictures and you feel like, okay, I know what these things look like, but until you see it um, and get a sense for the size of these places. So that blew me away. Nebraska is like so incredibly interesting and who knew Nebraska would be incredibly interesting geographically. Cause I'm like, all I knew were the corn huskers from the university of Nebraska. So I just figured yeah, they just grow corn there. Right. And you just grow that on like flat plains and, but man, when most of most of Nebraska is sand dunes, and where the hell did that come from? You know, yeah. so Nebraska is essentially the perfect golf, the most perfect golf setting on the planet because it's sand. It's it's sand hills are they they're never ending. They're bigger than Ireland and Scotland like put together. So, so crazy. Um, which just was nuts to me. So I'm driving like giddy, thinking like. You can build a golf course there. You can build a golf course there. That could be the greatest hole ever. You know, I'm like geeking out about like this rare topography that when you see it on a coastline in the British Isles, you get like goose pimples because you're, you know, it's, there's a gun or there's, there's going to be a flag out there somewhere because it's going to be a golf course. And it's just, you know, that Nebraska had that was crazy. Um, And uh, I was also surprised by how, like how big Maine felt Maine never ends either. Um, you can just keep driving and you probably, and you'll never even get to Canada. It just never stops. It's funny because that's not even that far from your home, you know, and you're like, God, I, I know. would never even think of going there. No, it was like, it was very much like, and I'd been to Nova Scotia to go up to Cabot, um, but I'd never done Maine. And uh, you get up there, you know, in Massachusetts, you kind of zip through it. Connecticut quickly zip through it. Um, and then, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, kind of, but then you get to like Maine and, uh, it's like Texas up North. It's it's wild. Uh, so it was cool. I I mean, I'm not sure what kind of like guy you are out there on uh, the dining scene, but I'm sure like you must've come across some meals where you're like, uh, wow, I did not see this coming. Oh man. Well, burn ends in Kansas city. Um, well, you know, that was, I was really in the barbecue wherever I could get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a barbecue lover, lover of, of, of the Buffalo wings. So obviously I'd have wings in Buffalo pizza in New Haven, Connecticut, and then barbecue wherever I could, you know, there's a lot of different American sort of barbecue, in Texas, North Carolina, and then certainly in Kansas city. And, and they have these burnt ends in Kansas city. I don't know what they're the end of. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why they're burnt. I've always thought that too. I, I, I have no idea, but I'll tell you what, they are delicious and I could eat them by the bucketful. And so that was awesome. I ate some horrible things. Um, Sandhill oysters. Um, Ooh, lovely. Little, are, uh, little testy. Not oysters as you know them. Yeah, they were. They we, were have, we have that in Alberta and it's uh, <laughs> prairie oysters. Not my favorite thing, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I, I've never had the pleasure I, of partaking. I wouldn't dabble in it. It's um, a little chewy, and I expected to get like a, a rush of I don't know. I thought I would like charge through a door or something, but I, I felt really just kind of disgusting, it's, honestly. It's so you charge um, through the bathroom door to get to the toilet is pretty much how yes. it might work. <laughs> charge it for something exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, um, I think the next big thing, I mean, me and Tom have been talking about it. I think we need to have a course called Canada. But, I mean, when does this pursuit 
kind of stop for you? I'll tell I mean, you. you no, this, I've or? been hearing from a lot of your countrymen and uh, who are saying, come to Canada. And then they say, Canada, A. Eh? Oh, and uh, and I, I'm eager. Uh, I'd love to. The problem that I, I, I imagine with a Canadian story is um, your season's a little bit shorter up there. Which could be good for you. You could do it in a very quick amount of time. You could be done That's five, true. six months. No problem. And imagine playing uh, golf I, for 24 hours a day. Oh, maybe in Alaska you got that experience, but I guess somewhere in Yellowknife, right? That'd be crazy. Um, the uh, If you could tell me, if you could promise me that, I, I think an American market would be into it, but it would, I'd need the Canadian market to really carry it. So, you know. We'd uh, I'd have to convince my publisher that there's enough Canadian golf book readers, uh, you know, to make it to make it happen. So I would need your I would need your help there. We can definitely do that. I think you'd be blown away by uh, the actual amount of golfers within Canada, considering how short the season is. Like it is nuts at times. And even living in Vancouver, where it's like, hey, do you want to book a tee time? Yeah, sure, man. A month from now, in any of the city courses, you're like, oh, yeah. so I just can't play golf. Like it's a golf huh. crazy country. Hockey players. That's an interesting. easy transition. It is. Hockey players are good golfers. Yeah. Um, power. I've always found that. Uh, you know, strong core, you know, just good movement, transition, weight shifting, all that good stuff. Like, yeah, man. And it's um, just like, yeah, when the season opens up, like, I don't know, the golfers that we know, at least in Canada, it's like you have a hard pause on the season for the most part. In Vancouver, it's a little different. Maybe the coastal regions, but it's like, it's just five or six months to like let that addiction fester, right? Like you kind of said it in your book best where it's like the real golfers, it's not like I enjoy playing this game. It's like, I can't stop playing this game. Right. And imagine if it's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, you have to stop, but then you know, it's starting to percolate coming in and like people just get ramped up and hungry about it. And I'd even go so far as to say, if you do a course called Canada, like if, I'd come with you for the whole damn trip. I know he would too. Like you may just want us for like a little bit of it because you might get tired of us. But uh, yeah, like the idea of exploring, like I've been on every marketplace right now searching for a van because I'm like, I think I might have to do the van life for a year just because like I need to explore. Like I I need to figure out where I want to build a root system in life. And I think the only way to do that is to figure out like, yeah, what is out there, right? Like what kind of places exist? And then not only just like, where do you want to live, but like, how do I build something to connect these different pieces of the North America, the world, even beyond that. But like Canada is a big place with a lot of passionate golfers, a lot of great golf courses like here in Vancouver versus Alberta, just the, the scenery, the like, the ground, the ground, like literally just the ground, like the muddiness of like how moisture absorbs here versus over there. Like that just fascinates me. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah, you're not even, you know, you bring in like Toronto and Stanley Thompson and all that stuff. I mean, there's just like, there's like, there's a lot of good golf in Canada and I played some of it. Um, I'd love to find like some weird, like Northern, up in the great white north like i don't know like lost homemade you know like golf courses up there and that would be on some like this on national geographic channel or something if you go to like some places like northern alberta northern saskatchewan northern ontario even like into the the bush 
it is like yeah it's like going into jurassic park but with pine is there, trees is there bush golf we could probably find it i mean you even in if Alberta, i can find I mean, bush it's, golf it's really crazy like it's so thick like you'll step onto a par five and you see these trees and you're like i'm gonna hit wedge because i'm so yeah. scared of this going anywhere because it's so it's so treated in like it just looks dark and scary anywhere off the fairway and the mosquitoes are the size of birds yeah Bring in, bring a suit. Well, hey, if you find find me, if I can get like find me or your listeners like suggest like the craziest Canadian woods bush golf experience, I'd love to do it. I'd love to come just see it. We'll do it for the Golfers Journal first, and if there's something to it, maybe then that you know kicks off the book. Perfect. Because we'll, um, you we'll know be what I mean. That, that would be awesome. This is like I'm sure there's a way crazier place out there, but. I actually haven't even been to this place. I've only heard legend of it is Black Bull, right? And just the craziness of the tight, like it's not quite as deep bush as really? you could totally go. But apparently, word on like if you could shoot in the eighties there, from the tips, you're like the very good day. You're very good. Like he tells, uh, he talks about okay. hitting seven irons off the tee on par fives that are straight because it's just that tight. It's terrifying. Whoa. But, um, yeah, I you know what. Tom, like we just uh, obviously go, course called Canada would be great, but we love Tom and I loved course called America and love course called Scotland and Ireland, and it was just it's such a pleasure to get to sit down and finally meet you and kind of put. Obviously, we've seen your face before, but kind of hearing you in long form discussion and being like, ah, oh, this this is the man that's telling us these stories that I just <laughs> crave more of. But um, we just want to thank you so much for actually coming on with us and having this chat and just getting. The opportunity to spread the word about uh about the tc across canada guys thank you so much for having me i appreciate it it's uh i'm, I'm glad it all it, it worked out and um i think it's really cool what you guys are doing so i i, I appreciate the invite and i hope we yeah man I, I need to come up there so let's play some golf let's do it come on out to van we'll uh we'll work our way inland and go see uh some pretty crazy tracks along the way cool that works for me and Tom, just so I can say it, yeah, absolute pleasure. Like, appreciate everything you've done for the game. And it's, yeah, it just means a lot to, like, actually sit down and go back and forth on something, right? Like, that yeah. that just takes, like, yeah. the admiration and appreciation to a whole nother level. So, thank you. Uh, no, thank you, guys. Thanks for what, thanks you, thank you for what you're doing, um, Tom and, and, and you, Chris, as well. Wish you guys all the best. Thank you, Tom. And we wish you best for the rest of the year and for the rest of the book. Thanks, fellas. Be well. All right, you as well, Tom. Bye.